It's Tuesday, September 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Markman. Good to see you, gents. We're back. So glad to be back. It's, <laughs> it's been a little while. It has been. Email came in last Friday from Vin Stolo. He writes, Two things that make my commute home bearable each day are a nice cigar and market foolery. This week has only been half bearable. Please coordinate all future vacation plans with me. We will do that. <laughs> I like being bearable. I don't know that we're going to coordinate them with Vin, but we'll, we'll give a heads up. We always give a heads up. Um, we, uh, we're going to talk Halliburton. We're going to talk um, the resurgence, uh, the surprising resurgence of a brand. Um, we have talked in this room plenty of times about the battle for the living room, the battle for the car. Um, I don't think we have yet really in great detail talked about the battle for global donut domination. Um, But it is worth pointing out that today, Dunkin' Donuts is opening its first outlet in Southern California. Uh, Thank you to Brian Taylor, who tweeted us a photo of people in Southern California camping out. No kidding. Like it's a concert. Uh, They're trying to get tickets, but people camping out in front of the... Apparently, people in California will camp out for more than just the iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, like exactly. Louis Segura, a uh, guy, uh, he works at a KB- KABC radio in, in L.A., uh, had sent an email or sent a, he, uh, tweeted a photo as well. I mean, said this thing was around the corner. I mean, it's... They're good donuts. I don't know that I'm sleeping out for them, but they're no, good no, donuts. No, no, crazy. Um, at least they got the coffee to wake you up. Right. So, so that's happening today. But what happened while we were off was that Burger King announced it is buying Tim Hortons, the coffee and donut uh, place from Canada. And I thought, even though this is not breaking news, we should talk about it. Because when I first saw this, I just thought, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. For On a lot of levels, it didn't make any sense to me. What was being given credit, uh, at least in the initial wake of the deal, was well, this is another tax inversion deal. This is that's bur- all they talked about right off the bat. Bur- Burger King, bu- you know, U.S. company buys non-U.S. company gets to uh, take over their tax code. Mm-hmm. But Taylor, you and I were talking this morning. The taxes that Tim Horton pays are not markedly lower. That's essentially flat compared it, to Burger it's, King. It's yeah. basically the same. It's like one or two percent in yeah. terms of in terms of total taxes. So you're not seeing the same thing all the pharmaceutical companies are when they transfer to Ireland earlier this year. Right. Not even close. So why are both of these stocks up since the deal? Burger King shares up around twenty percent, Tim Hortons up around thirty. Is this that Good a move? I, I I was scratching my head over this. I think the savvy of three G is coming coming out right now. Tim Hortons is a Canadian brand. Um, consumers up there are a little worried, but you look at some things that some business folk are saying up there, and they're really liking the deal on the Tim Hortons side of things. Miles um, Nadal, advertising kingpin up there, said, "Quote: What Burger King will do is enable Tim Hortons to expand globally instantaneously. I think they can take it from being an iconic Canadian brand to an iconic global brand." So. Um, obviously, if Burger King buys them, anything Tim Hortons does is going to impact them positively or negatively. And from everything I read on the business side, people think that this is a great move for Tim Hortons, which would then translate into a great move for Burger King. Uh, 3G's done obviously great things with Burger King, up over 100% since 2012, um, killing the S&P TSX composite index. Um, and they've co-purchased Heinz with Buffett. So they're in they're in the mix on the consumer goods side, especially with food, and they've done very well so far. Um, I think shareholders obviously appreciate it if you've looked at the last week for both stocks. Yeah, probably a bit of a halo effect there with 3G and Buffett. You know, Buffett getting in there financing the deal with Berkshire. 
Hathaway to the tune of about $3 billion. And I think that um, the, the, the immediate leap investors tend to make is, oh, well, Buffett's involved. Well, it must be good. Right. And I mean, we got to be very careful. Don't make that leap because he's going to be getting deals that, you know, some of us, most of us won't be able to get. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, mean, I think I saw where the coupons on this, on this, Berkshire deal. They're going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of nine percent, I think, on this uh, on the preferred shares, which is significant. Uh, you know, he's not doing this for any other reason than to make money. Obviously, for me, I mean, I, I look at the deal. It's not a tax inversion strategy. You know, any, no, any leadership close, team yeah. that's worth its salt is going, is going to be. Uh, you know, they're not going to be making deals for tax for tax reasons. I mean, that's just not a reason to do it. It does give them, you know, scale. I think this is probably more of an opportunity for Tim Hortons. Uh, than it is for Burger King. I mean, Burger mm-hmm. King is facing the same headwinds here domestically, at least that McDonald's is facing. I mean, fast food is just really, uh, you know, they, they are facing a, a lot of headwinds and, and, you know, people are going more fast casual and stuff like that. Uh, big market there with donuts and coffee and stuff like that. We've obviously seen what Dunkin' Donuts has done. And I think that's the biggest challenge for Tim Hortons to be able to spread its wings domestically here. Uh, they're a little bit late to the game, right? I mean, they're going to have to go in there and try to take share away from Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, things like that. And that's not so easy to do. Um, I've never been to Tim Hortons. Have you? Uh, we stopped at a couple last few times we were up in Canada, but I've never been to one in the States. So is it, I mean, is it good? It's comparable coffee. Yeah, I didn't try any of the food, but the coffee was tasty. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, this is a game where scale matters immensely, and this gives them you know scale to help sort of whittle down that cost structure and really ring out as much on that on that side of the deal as they can. And I mean, that, that's what 3G specializes in. So, I'm sure they'll they'll do that. I, I'm not as optimistic about this deal. I didn't like either company separately. I don't like them together. <laughs> so, that's just kind of where I stand. Yeah, the industry I'm not a big fan yeah. of. Yeah. What was the reaction in Canada? Because for for those who don't know, Tim Horton was a professional hockey player, uh, spent most of his career in Toronto, uh, became a businessman uh, along the way, and uh, co-founded this coffee and donut mm-hmm. shop. A, a a great hockey player, Hall of Famer, one of those you know when they when people put together their list of the the greatest players of all time, Tim Horton is on that list. So this strikes me. As a beloved brand, and I don't know, to be taken out by a U.S. company, and not to disparage Burger King, but it's not like Burger King is like this super beloved brand. No, it's okay. You can disparage Burger well, King. I, it's I mean, the king. Come on. It's, it, it's, it's not a. It's not it, good. It's not, <laughs> well, it's not an iconic brand in the way that some other brands are, yeah. like Coca Cola or that, or that sort of thing. So, I mean, we're. Obviously, shareholders of Tim Hortons are happy because their stock's Very up 30%. Pleased. But, but to, the, to the average Canadian, I'm just wondering if there was some sort of outrage. Um, judging by the tweets that we've seen, yeah, they're, on the consumer side, sure, there have been people worried about losing that brand. But they're not trying to change Tim Hortons into a Burger King. And it's still going to be Tim Hortons. You might see some combination Burger King, Tim Hortons. But they're not going to go up to Canada and completely renovate these new stores to have charbroiled burgers being sold <laughs> along with their glazed donuts. But, uh, I mean, 1995 to 2006, Tim Hortons was owned by Wendy's International. So it's not the first time that they've been owned. Um, it's just, I think, a bigger splash nowadays because it is a bigger brand now. Um, I don't know what it was in 1995 when Wendy's bought it, but I don't think it was nearly the size and the clout that it, that it has now. It will be interesting to see. I mean, they're, they're, they're maintaining the brand separately, completely separately, which I think is the right move. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, Burger King, I think, knows that this breakfast market is a huge opportunity here domestically. I mean, that's why you see Taco Bell introducing the waffle taco and all that stuff. But, I mean, I, I'll be interested to see if at some point maybe Burger King doesn't offer some Tim Hortons offerings on their menu. Like, I can't fathom, yeah. you know, right. Tim, Tim Hortons offering a Burger King offering on their menu. But I could see Burger but King. But Tim Hortons Donuts now being part of the right. breakfast I mean, offerings. I could see, hey, hey, we have, t-, you know, so, I mean, it'll be interesting some to see. Some of the supply that, chain uh, might overlap. Like, yeah. Starbucks getting La Boulange and Tivana, they didn't change those brands. They still exist, but they're using them as food and tea options. Exactly. Halliburton has agreed to a settlement to resolve damage uh, damages claims uh, related to the Deepwater Horizon disaster back in 2010. The settlement is 1.1 billion. Uh, when I think about Halliburton with its market cap of about 56 billion, <laughs> drop in the bucket. I was just going to say, drop in the bucket. And yet, shares of Halliburton down slightly today. Slightly. So is that I mean what is that in reaction to because if if people really thought well this is nothing then as we've talked about before the market the market hates uncertainty and if if the settlement cloud is hanging over them well you would think oh not that the shares would pop not that they would yeah, right. be up uh, in the way that uh, we've seen Tim Hortons and Burger King but I, I would have expected it to be up a couple of percentage points um, I mean, you look at it, they've already put $1.3 billion aside, so they they haven't been fretting this for the last couple of years. Maybe if it was higher than what they put aside, but they still have a, some wiggle room there if anything else for unforeseen comes up. But they've already gone through um, criminal charges. That's been done for a year now. Um, so now these claims are going to be settled for $1.1 billion, maybe a little bit more or less. But I said $1.3 billion, so there's a lot of wiggle room there um, on their side. I think they might be down just on the commodities. I mean, I was looking at some energy stocks up there earlier today, and it seems like the sector as a whole is pretty flat today. So um, I just think they're trading on on sector um, basis rather than any of this news because it's been a it's been an afterthought. I'm a shareholder, and I haven't thought about this in the last year since there's since their criminal charges were passed. Um, if you're a BP shareholder, obviously you're still in tune because they've sold over forty billion dollars in assets, and they're still on the hook for quite a bit more potentially. So. Halliburton finally has this off their books, but it's really a non non mover for them. I blame Dick Cheney. <laughs> I just think people can't quite get past the fact that he used to be uh, the CEO of. <laughs> I tell still... you what, you look at some of the comments on our articles for Halliburton, and people still think that KBR is part of it, and they're just like the the Darth Vader of of all publicly traded companies. <laughs> so I mean, like I I, I back in March or of, of so of 2012, I actually tapped. Halliburton added it to the real money portfolio. I was working here at the Fool uh, because of the fact that there was this tremendous uncertainty out there with the with the the oil spill, and Halliburton was obviously you know front and center as far as you know litigation uh, was going. And I mean, the stock was trading at like thirty two bucks. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, it, to me, it was the biggest no brainer because of the fact that they have this huge geographical footprint already, so many capabilities that this company does, and I think that. A lot of people, they hear Halliburton, and and honestly, I think they do hear Halliburton. They think Dick Cheney and immediately just turn off. Uh, Now, I mean, everybody has to make their own sort of decision on what they want to invest in and whatnot. But, I mean, when you look at what Halliburton does between, you know, tapping all of these wells around the world, helping extract as as much, uh, you know, oil and natural gas from these wells as they they can, the deep water opportunity that's there. I mean, it's a tremendous company. Uh, They provide a lot a lot of different services. Uh, it's just very dynamic uh, company. So when you see 
uh, you know, an opportunity like that when sort of, you know, the, the, the market in general is really sour on something like oil companies. I think that's just a great example of when, you know, you can really find some great opportunities out there. And, um, you know, to me, Halliburton, I mean, what, this, this, this equates to just a little bit more than a buck a share. This settlement. Right. I mean, you have to put this into it's it's nothing. So if this is a huge win for Halliburton. I think that I mean they get this thing behind them and it's done. Uh, I, I just I, I don't see this uh, as as being. I mean, the market you know maybe selling the stock off today a little bit, but I don't think it has anything to do with this. Well, and you raise a good point about the market getting sour and uh, along with that maybe too sour. And yeah. I, I think it's easy, particularly. With financial media being the way it is, it's easy for people, given the market run of the last couple of years, to point to individual stocks and and look at enthusiasm on the upside and say, "Well, wait a minute, that, that the run up of that stock is wait, that's crazy." But it's it's maybe it's just harder to look at it uh, to look at the opposite. Maybe it's harder to identify. Wait a minute. The enthusiasm against this stock, the hatred of this stock, is getting a little out of control. And say what you want about Dick Cheney or Halliburton or or anything, but wait a minute. Let's take a step back and look at this business and all of their assets, um, which, again, that's easier to do with a a company like this than with – a Groupon, mm-hmm. you know, which doesn't have really have tangible assets. Groupon has assets. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a website, I think. Um, but but it, it is a good reminder that enthusiasm does cut both ways. And sometimes, if you're looking at stocks, you, you kind of have to st- take a step back and say, "Well, wait a minute, why, why all the hatred?" <laughs> I don't get it, especially the way that it's been performing and the tailwinds behind it. They're the fracking specialist. Schlumberger is bigger, but. Halliburton's leaps and bounds in my mind technology wise for fracking and now they're starting to get into deep water again um, it's one of their three key focus areas and d- deep water oil is being tapped but at a very minuscule level for what the potential is and fracking is only really big in the United States Halliburton's fracked the first wells in China and Argentina it's in Iraq it's in Iran I mean, the future is limitless if, if fracking becomes global and if it performs even half as well as it has in North America, it's, it's got a nice run ahead of it. Speaking of companies with a lot of hatred, <laughs> pointed Oh, segue. Way. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> for uh, almost all of the 20th century, Arthur Anderson was one of the most respected, if not the most respected, accounting firms in the entire world. Uh, that ended in 2002 when, uh, <laughs> when uh, Enron happened and Arthur Anderson was indicted for obstruction of justice. And basically, the company imploded. Mm-hmm. Um, the consulting uh, part of the business became Accenture, um, as I have mentioned before, Accenture, a brand name that I mocked at the time. Um, and uh, that obviously has uh, not worked out in my favor because that's a, a, a Stock that has done quite well over the past decade, um, but there are a lot of billboards around the D.C. area mocking you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big company in this area. Um, but the tax consultancy part of the business um, was—I don't want to say spun off, but sort of reemerged as as a business called WTAS. But now the people uh, at that company have bought the rights to the Arthur Anderson name, and they have rebranded their firm Anderson Tax. Why are they doing – other than <laughs> sentimentality, because they used to work at Arthur Anderson, I understand that. But I just, uh, 
what is behind this? I would love to see, uh, you know, a campaign to come up with a new slogan for that. <laughs> so I, I tweeted out earlier, you know, Anderson Tax, Enron Free since 2002. Nice. So if you got them, tweet them at Market Foolery, whatever. I, I think to me, this is. I, I could go either way with this thing. I mean, I don't know why you necessarily want to bring this this name back up from the dead. I mean, like, I, I cannot recommend highly enough reading the book, uh, The Smartest Guys in the Room, The Amazing Rise and Scandalous Fall of Enron. It was written by Bethany McLean, Bethany McLean and yeah. Peter Elkind. It, just a fun read. I, it, probably a lot of listeners out there who maybe aren't so familiar with the Enron scandal. This will really – I mean, it, it's just a great story. I mean, it all, it all happened, and it's just amazing – uh, you know, we've come a long way in a short amount of time here, just as far as transparency and disclosure. And I think the internet continues to to really help investors by by giving us all of the transparency, transparency, and the ability to to really find anything that we're that we're looking for. Uh, just an, an amazing story, and I don't necessarily understand. I don't understand why they want to bring that Anderson name back to life because. Maybe they feel like enough time has passed that there are enough people out there who are not familiar with that story. Wall Street Journal is reminding them pretty quickly of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one thing about Bethany McLean, and, uh, and then we'll talk more about Anderson Tax. Um, uh, we had her on the Motley Fool Money radio show a couple of years. She had a new book out, but we did spend some time talking about Enron and sort of revisiting that. And uh, um, I will tweet out a link to that interview because it's um, it's pretty instructive to hear her talk about her own experience. She was um, a magazine uh, reporter at the time, and and. Uh, one of the things we talked about was how executives at Enron were tr- were trying to thwart her at every turn, <laughs> going you know, and calling her boss and saying, "Get her!" Like we don't want her covering us, all that sort of thing. Um, and it was it was really pretty fantastic Red what flag. she did. Yeah. Um, so I I read one article this morning. Uh, uh, Mark Vorsatz is the CEO at Anderson Tax. Apparently, one of the things that they did was they did a lot of polling. Um, not of the general public, because polling of the general public shows that, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the the Arthur Anderson name is still synonymous with fraud yeah. for the majority yeah. of people polled. Um, but for people who are in the business of hiring a business, like you know, if you're in the business, if you're an executive and you're hiring tax services consultants, for whatever reason, the Arthur Anderson name. Is still a good one and still has a lot of clout, and it's I, I I find this interesting because it still strikes me as a somewhat brave decision on their part because they they have to know you have to believe that when they're making this decision there are people in the room saying this is a bad idea mm-hmm. this is like it, because they are thinking of the general public and I I think it's a little brave to say you know what I get that. But the people who are our actual customers, yeah, right. They you care. know, the general public, they're not our customers. The people who are our actual customers, they still believe in what Arthur Anderson stood for for the 20th century. And then, you know, the 21st century happened in Enron, and there you go. So I don't think that tax strategy – the first word that comes to mind when you – Say tax strategy is not honesty, right. right? So I mean, I feel like maybe I'm not. I'm not saying Anderson Tax is crooked by any means. Don't get me wrong. We're not saying dishonest. But what I am saying is that you, you're you're right to think that okay, you're going to probably have to do a little bit of double checking. I, it's it's like. You know, you have kids and you tell your child to do something and you kind of notice that they're not maybe fully listening to you. And they're like, OK, repeat what I just said. What did I just tell you to do? Right. 
just to make sure you got it. And I think that maybe, you know, they're going to have to – Anderson Tax is going to probably be subject to that a little bit. You know, like, okay, just one more time. You know, let me just make sure this is on the level. Uh, and that could be a problem. You know, I, mean, I think that, that there is a lot of power that brands hold. And, uh, you know, I was just talking about this last night with McDonald's. I think that, you know, for what McDonald's has done for so long, the brand has done has done so well for them in conveying and communicating value that now it's almost becoming its its biggest weakness is that now you see all of these other companies that are coming in here and in and, and fighting you know the McDonald's brand with you know their more quality offerings and this you know emergence of, of fast casual so, I mean they're, they're people are not so quick to forget uh, you know names and brands like that uh, so I, I imagine it will be a bit of an uphill battle but we'll see how this plays out I don't I'm ready for Richard Kinder to change his new company to Enron Pipeline Incorporated. <laughs> That's the guy that got out at yeah. the right time. Forty million into a hundred forty billion dollar <laughs> company, just like that. Thank you very much, nice Enron. Him, huh? <laughs> Tweet us at Market Foolery if you've got uh, a slogan you'd like to suggest for the brand new Anderson Tax Company. This ought to be good. I yeah, I can't wait. Listeners, get out there, send us those things. That'd be great. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for today's edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 